Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Pella Window and Door of Georgia, viewed to be the best. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. We will have plenty on Georgia, Florida from today's show, on today's show, going back to Saturday. But, y'all, we got to start here. Saturday this upcoming week, it's no longer looking ahead. It's no longer peaking, you know, you know, past whatever's happening in the moment. It is present tense conversation now. It is Georgia. It is Tennessee on Saturday. I believe it is just measurably speaking the biggest game in Sanford Stadium history. And here's what I've kind of come to believe here over the course of the last couple of weeks. You know, Tennessee has earned a level of respect for me that I don't know that I quite had for it a few weeks ago. I always thought this was a good team. I think as of late, they have proven themselves to even be better than good. This is clearly a team that's way better now than it was a season ago. We have a couple of uh, data points that prove that, you know, blown out against Alabama last year, winning against Alabama this year. Hard fought, like 45-42 type game against Kentucky a year ago, blowing out Kentucky this past Saturday. There's no doubt that that Tennessee is a much improved team. And I say all that to say this, that if your hope for Georgia on Saturday is that somehow Tennessee completely wilts in the spotlight, that Tennessee has proven to be a total fraud, that Tennessee embarrassed itself on a bigger stage than it's played thus far this season, if that's your hope for victory for the Dogs, then I think that you're likely to be disappointed. In other words, it's not to me more likely that Tennessee steps on this stage and loses on Saturday. This is a game in which Georgia is going to win, going to need to win. You're going to have to take this from Tennessee. You can't expect them to just give it to you there on Saturday. So everybody's got to be at their best. Georgia coaches have to be at their best. Georgia players have to be at their best. And yes, Georgia fans have to be at their best too because as some of our commenters were mentioning when we were doing our first and 15 this morning at dognation.com, the Dog Nation app, that Tennessee is going to find itself on Saturday in a spot that it hasn't really been in a lot this year. Uh, Tennessee has been dominant at home. They're undefeated, of course, there at Neyland Stadium. They're also 5-1 and one thus far against the spread. The game against Florida, the only time thus far this season they haven't exceeded expectations there at home. And yet they also have kind of the dominant road win at LSU. But as one of our commenters pointed out, or a few of our commenters have kind of pointed out, that game took place at 11 a.m. local time there in Baton Rouge. That wasn't, you know, the sun taking its home in the western sky. That wasn't the the sort of typical night game atmosphere that you sometimes get at Death Valley. It wasn't a normal LSU crowd. It maybe that made the job of Tennessee a little easier to go into Death Valley and get that win, knowing it wasn't maybe LSU fans at kind of their full throat, their full, that you know, their their kind of full intensity. Well, on Saturday, they need to find out what full intensity on the road looks like. Now, the good news is Georgia fans have already done that so far this year, at least to, to one level. You had the 330 start uh, a couple of weeks ago against Auburn. That was a game in which Georgia fans, I thought, really asserted themselves. I thought it made that a really huge atmosphere. And Kirby Smart, as he does so often after games like this, congratulated Georgia fans at the time for the role they played in that game. And as a reminder and kind of a build up to what's going to happen on Saturday, let's hear Kirby talking about the fans going back to just a couple of weeks ago. I'll start with thanking the fans. I thought uh, the atmosphere was great. I knew right when I came out of the tunnel and I looked up in the rafters and uh, it was packed. I knew that that Auburn was going to be in for a tough time from the crowd standpoint and a team that had not played on the road, which is tough to do in the SEC. I thought our crowd impacted uh, the game. 
the thing that Kirby says there that I love so much is, hey, I knew from the very first moment that Auburn's going to be for a tough time. I knew from the very beginning this wasn't going to be easy for Auburn because we came out and they were sort of packed the rafters. Y'all, if that was true for Auburn a couple of weeks ago, that needs to be even more true this upcoming Saturday. That I know you want to tailgate and you should. I know you want to make it a fun day in Athens and you should. But you got a job to do there as well. You got to get through those turnstiles early, especially if you're a student. Uh, you've got to be in that stadium and get the atmosphere going from the word go. Because trust me when I tell you, I love going down on the field for the warm-ups prior to, to a lot of these games, and you can feel it. Well, when you're on the field in a warm-up situation and the entire student section is full and the regular uh, stadium is getting full, you can feel it. And if you want to create the atmosphere for the game against Tennessee from the word go, starting early, as Kirby Smart said, that gives you an idea of what the tone for the entire day is going to be. I thought Kirby said that so well right there. And – when you start leading into this game there on Saturday, you know, Smart issues an even bigger challenge than that. On, on social media, on Twitter yesterday, I thought Kirby gave a statement to Georgia fans that was bolder and more direct and more aggressive than I really have heard him ever say before. So you love your coach. You want to do right by your coach. Your coach is giving you right now an incredibly, incredibly stern and stiff challenge. Let me read this to you on the screen. If this doesn't get you fired up and ready to go for this upcoming Saturday, I don't quite know what will. Kirby says, Saturday, we need Dog Nation to affect the game. Here's what he says. If you can talk when you leave, you didn't yell loud enough. I mean, that's it right there, right? I mean, this is all business Kirby Smart. This is Kirby Smart who's all about the white lines and coaching them up and watching the film and everything else, taking time out to speak to you directly, you who has you know, found a way to be inside the stadium, whether because you've paid the $1,000 the tickets are going for right now or, or whatever it is, uh, or you just, you, know, you just know you're going to be there. Kirby's speaking to you directly. He says, I want you to yell so loud for the entirety of this game. When it's over, I don't want you to be able to speak. You go to church on Sunday, I want the music to sound quiet because you're not loud enough to sing. Uh, when you're going to the breakfast place after the game on Sunday, I want the conversation to be, you know, that sort of horse whisper because you can't yell loud enough to do it. That is what Kirby Smart says he wants from you on Saturday. And if you're a good Georgia fan, I know in this particular case, you want to give Kirby what he wants and because Tennessee is a team that begrudgingly has kind of earned my respect probably your respect there too Georgia may need this this is one of those games in which you've got to be at your best to go out there and earn the win this is one of those games in which you want everything firing on all cylinders and that includes fans in this particular case and if you want to go back to last year another game in which ESPN's college game day was on hand we saw how impactful fans could be. Kirby gave the fans credit in particular for that win last week, or I should say last year, against Arkansas. And by the way, that was a noon start. And if you could get up that big for Arkansas, how much more can you get up for this one knowing it's going to be 3.30? Kirby gave a very specific compliment to Georgia fans last year for the impact they made on the Arkansas game. And it's a pretty good reminder knowing what's going to be needed this particular Saturday. Let's listen to Kirby one more time. To be that loud at noon? It's beyond elite. I mean, let's let's call it like we see it. We challenged the fans because I knew we needed them. They answered the bell. The players answered the bell. Total team unity and effort and buy-in from the fan base and everybody else. Now, if we can just not get complacent 
coaches, players, fan base take things for granted and not um, have that same impact at other home games, then then we can be a good football team. And uh, I thought it was – I know it's the last I've ever heard it at 12 because I've never even seen it packed at 12, but it may have been one of the loudest ever. In another clip, Kirby went on to say 10 points. That's how much he thought the fans were responsible for against uh, Arkansas that day. 10 points. He thought uh, that's what the Georgia fans contributed. Well, if you gave them 10 against Arkansas, give them 17 against Tennessee. Give them 20 against Tennessee. Make it miserable for the Vols. That's what this game requires. I just truly believe. We're going to see the college football playoff rankings come out on Tuesday. There's a chance they may make Tennessee number one. There are people who think Tennessee should be number one. There may even be a few Georgia fans who think Tennessee ought to be number one. Well, guess what? If that's going to be the case, if the Vols are going to come strutting in here ranked number one, put the sign on their back. Put the bullseye on their back. You know, we've all been saying, oh, you know, Georgia being the national champs, Georgia being number one, they get everybody's best shot. Well, guess what? Let Tennessee get Georgia's best shot on Saturday and let some of that come from the fans. Let a lot of that come from the fans. Y'all, it has never been bigger in Sanford Stadium than it's going to be on Saturday. It's never been bigger than this. You've only got two top five matchups in the history of the stadium and you've never had a top three matchup. And this has a chance to be one versus two. Be a crowd befitting of an atmosphere like that. That is the challenge. My overall feeling about this game, and we'll obviously get more into that throughout the week. Listen, I'm optimistic. I think that Georgia has been ranked number one for a reason, and whether they are ranked number one by the CFP committee on Tuesday or not doesn't change my overall feeling. I think this has been a very successful season to Georgia up to this point in time. It's not been perfect, but it has been successful, and I am optimistic that the mission we've been talking about for a while go for two and 22 that's still on and it's still rolling and we hope it kind of rolls over Tennessee on Saturday I am optimistic about Georgia but while being optimistic I'm also uncertain I can't guarantee anything I can't guarantee a national championship I can't even guarantee that uh Georgia's going to beat Tennessee on Saturday this is a Vols team that's proven they are good enough they could come into this hostile environment on Saturday and they could win this game that's why if you're a fan you got to be at your best all systems have to be pointed towards taking care of the Vols in the biggest game that any of us have ever been alive for. you got to be ready for it on Saturday. Kirby Smart has challenged you directly. Are you going to answer his challenge? We're going to find out Saturday at 3.30. My name is Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. We are presented today by Pella Window and Door of Georgia, and we're happy to have you with us no matter how you get to us today. Live on video, 10 a.m., Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, on the radio at noon, Athens Sports Radio 960, The Ref. We're available as a podcast. We are. We also start video 945, dognation.com, the Dog Nation app. We've already been rolling with like 15 minutes of really good comments at 945 before we even begin the big show there at 10 a.m. So we'd love to have you join us for that sometime if you get a chance to. Of course, podcast, all those podcast platforms there as well. Lots of ways for you to be a part of what we're doing here today. And a big thanks to our friends at Pella Window and Door of Georgia for making it all possible. I talked a moment ago about a great home field advantage. A lot of you guys want to enjoy a home field advantage in your own home there as well. You want to feel comfortable and secure there. And part of the way in which you do that is making the stuff that's supposed to be outside stay outside and the stuff that's supposed to be in the inside, like the expensive heat that maybe you're running at night right now or the air conditioning when it's warm in the summer, things like that, keeping that on the inside where it's supposed to be. Well, one of the best ways you can make sure you do that is by properly fitted 
uh, really efficient, great looking windows and doors, the likes of which the Pella window and door of George is famous for. This is a market leading product. There have been survey after survey done here in the Atlanta area. Everybody seems to know that, that when it comes to the very best you can have in terms of your home, it's Pella windows and doors. And you, of course, want the best for your home. And that's why you want Pella window and door of George. So it's time to have that conversation with one of those Pella experts. They can talk to you about the product line. They can talk to you about the installation options, uh, some great savings opportunities you have there as well. And when you make this decision, your home's going to feel better on the inside. You're going to have the potential of saving a lot of money on your energy bills. It's going to look better on the outside. Uh, a great way to be a great neighbor is to have that improved curb appeal, but also it's a great thing for your resale value too, which your neighbors will also appreciate when it's time to kind of do that there too. Uh, that that sort of you know improvement to the exterior, that that improvement to the curb appeal could have a positive impact on your uh, resale value when it's time to start thinking about all of that. And I told you before, it's also a great time to get great savings uh, as well. Today, by the way, is the last day you can get 10% off your entire project or that reduced rate of 6.99% for 120 months. So take action right now on that. You can drive over and see them at the Experience Center right there in Duluth, or you can uh, find them online at Pella uh, of GA.com slash dog nation. That's Pella of GA.com slash dog nation, or give them a call 678-638-1496. That's 678-638-1496. Pella window and door of Georgia's viewed to be the best. And when you talk to them, make sure you tell them that BA from dog nation daily sent you to them. And then I told you they would take good care of it because I know they will. Check out our friends at Pella Window and Door of George on that today. All right, we're going to get John Stinchcomb here coming up in just a couple of moments. Uh, and we're going to talk to John about the look ahead to Tennessee, uh, the look back on the game against Florida, the life, the legacy of the legendary coach and athletic director Vince Dooley. A lot of ground to cover with John Stinchcomb here coming up in just a moment. Before that, though, I want to go around the doghouse, assisted today by our friends at AAA and I kind of want to get focused in on the Georgia game against Florida in particular. And I think there are a couple of moments that come out of that game that give some Georgia fans pause here. Obviously, turnovers become a big issue for Georgia in that third quarter that allowed Florida to kind of reduce the deficit to you know briefly eight points there. You know, you kind of got back, you know, Gators kind of got back into this game. And some of this kind of puts the spotlight back on Georgia quarterback Stetson Bennett. He had an interception that clearly was his fault, another interception that I don't believe uh, could be uh, categorized as being his fault. But quarterback kind of back in the spotlight for Georgia again after Saturday. So I want to hear a little bit from Stetson Bennett for a moment, including his overall evaluation of the day that he thought was more good than not. This is Stetson from Saturday. Take a listen to this. I mean, I thought I, I thought I played well. Um, I think the dude made a good play over um, uh, Dom. Yeah, uh, made a really good play. Uh, the ball to um, uh, Dejan. Uh, I saw him slipping. Thought I could get it in there. He made a good play again. I think it was six again. Made a really good play. Other than that, yeah. So Stetson thought overall the day was good and mentioned the interception. And then in that same press conferences from Saturday postgame, went into some more detail about the interception itself. And just the fact that on Saturday, Georgia was kind of taking some more sort of deeper shots down the field than sometimes we've seen them take. Uh, Bennett going into a little bit of detail about the offense. Take a listen to this. Yeah, I mean, again, I should have checked the ball down to my mail on Dejan. Um, but other than that, you know, they went man a few times uh, and took some shots. And, you know, good wide outs and good tight ends came down with So, listen, here's the thing that I'm totally willing to acknowledge here is that Stetson Bennett remains a hot topic for many Georgia fans. And to a degree, I sort of understand why that is. 
I think that Saturday at times provided more examples of the fact that you need your quarterback to play better than Bennett occasionally did on Saturday. And there have been other games this season when that was definitely true. There are moments this year in which you just sort of need more from your quarterback than you got. And when you think about Saturday in a game like Tennessee, being at your very best possible level of performance in all areas is pretty important. That that it could be easy to lose to a team like Tennessee if you're not firing on all cylinders, and that includes quarterback. However, here's the other thing that I think has to be fully understood here for a moment, is that there are kind of two different conversations that go on here and I think it's more important to have one than the other let me tell you what I mean by this people want to do the comparison between Hendon Hooker and Stetson Bennett and you understand why quarterback's the most important position um it's it's pretty clear that you need to play well at the quarterback position it makes winning easier it makes losing more likely if you don't I totally get that and when you're kind of when you're kind of zeroing in and focusing on just quarterback well, there's some areas in which it sort of appears that that Bennett is kind of left lacking. He's in the top 20 nationally when it comes to yards per attempt, but he's near the bottom of the top 20 in that particular stat. And when it comes to, like, say, touchdown passes thrown, which I believe is one of the more important stats for a quarterback, it's easy to understand. It's the one pass the defense is kind of always trying to take away. Or right now, I think I have this right, Bennett's outside the top 80 nationally when it comes to passes thrown that that when you're really measuring some of the key statistics that we understand for quarterbacks the simple ones that we can all understand well there's obviously you know some of those areas which Bennett kind of is is left lacking and I do get that and these are the kinds of things that those who have big concerns about Bennett always bring up and yet I would also kind of remind you of this that while quarterback is the most important position on the field and probably the most important position in team sports across the board it's only one part of the offense overall and that when you look at the entirety of the Georgia offense what you see is this is a team that I think is sixth nationally right now in points scored per game Georgia is second nationally still in total yardage per game that while the quarterback play for Georgia is not at the elite level Stetson is a good quarterback I believe that he is but he is not a great quarterback the likes of a Bryce Young or a C.J. Stroud or maybe even a Hendon Hooker that he is not in the great category he is in the good category but Bennett as a good quarterback is a part of a Georgia offense that is still great they are averaging about 42 points per game they scored 42 on Saturday they are in the top 10 of almost every offensive category you can imagine and every offensive category that you would say is important Georgia is performing really really well in almost all those categories maybe not been individually in every category but the offense collectively that is the case this is an elite offense the measurements kind of prove that so when we have the conversation about Georgia on the offensive side I think it's more appropriate to have it about the offense in total more so than about Bennett individually. Is it fair to say that he needs to have some better moments than some of the moments that he had on Saturday? Yeah. But would it be unfair to focus in on that and lose sight of the fact that Georgia offensively is still working really well, which is ultimately the thing that matters most? I think that would be a mistake to fixate on too much on one small detail while missing the big picture. And, and here's the kind of point that I'm making is that a lot of people look at the point spread on Saturday where you saw Georgia last week is about a 10-point favorite, then they're about a 9-point favorite, the number may be kind of coming down a little bit from there, and people wonder, well, you know, how in the world uh, you know, could Georgia be favored this much? They've got Stetson Bennett at quarterback, and Bennett may hurt them on Saturday. But here's the thing you understand. If Georgia had C.J. Stroud at quarterback, they'd be a 20-point favorite. Like, they are 
factoring in whatever you're going to get from Bennett one way or another. And that's why Georgia's air quotes here, only a nine point favorite or an eight point favorite, whatever it ends up being, that all of this is already factored into the story. Georgia has good quarterback play. That good quarterback play has led to a great offensive performance. Uh, Every sort of measurable stats would suggest that's the case. If Georgia had great quarterback play, this would be the greatest team of all time. They'd be winning every game 50 to nothing, and they'd be 30-point favorites in games even against ranked opponents. That, that you're kind of factoring all this into the story the way that it works right now. So I am more than happy having the conversation about Stetson Bennett and saying that Bennett has been good, not great. Uh, there are moments in which maybe his play, level of play hasn't even approached good so far this season. But the offense right now is humming at a level that's even better, statistically speaking, than it was a year ago. And you can't lose sight of that. And it doesn't guarantee anything on Saturday, but it does explain why Georgia is as big a favorite as it is. Georgia is nearly as good offensively as Tennessee while being way better defensively. It was a recipe for a national championship last year, and it may be good enough again this year there as well. And that is also around the doghouse, presented today by our friends at AAA and you know, the other day, my wife had an auto accident, and it was not serious, and it's actually the second one she's had. None, neither one of them been her fault, just kind of bad luck. But once again, another example of when something happens, we are really, really happy to have that AAA membership card in our pocket because they know, uh, we know that they're going to take care of us if we need a tow truck or something like that, and it seems like lately we've had need for that. But that's not the only thing I want you to think about when it comes to our friends at AAA. I also want you to think about them there as well when it comes to your insurance needs, including your auto insurance. When you have something like that happen or uh, whatever, you know, the same way that AAA protects you when you break down the side of the road, they can also protect that vehicle that's so important to you and your family and getting you around and getting where you need to go. You can expect something more with AAA, and you might actually pay less when you make the switch to get them for your uh, auto insurance. So get that free, no obligation quote on AAA's auto insurance and see if you can qualify for some of those great discounts, like the membership discount or the paperless discount or the pay in full discount or the multiple car savings. So many more great ways for you to save money when you make the switch to AAA for your auto insurance. So make sure you check that out today. You can call 833-718-2075. That's 833-718-2075 and find a branch near you AAA doing big things for you when it comes to auto insurance so make sure you check them out today all right so here's what we're going to do on our show we're going to get more into the georgia florida game here coming up before we're done uh more on georgia tennessee there as well the life the legacy of the legendary coach and athletic director vince dooley we're going to celebrate that here today on the show too this is also more than a one-day story this is the kind of thing you think about sort of the towering figure that coach dooley was it's going to take us more time than that uh to do so we'll begin that today and look forward to doing that a lot here in the future. And then some of the SEC stuff from kind of like, you know, the, the week that was, we'll have to sort of push some of that tomorrow because we just don't have time to do everything today that needs to be done. But what we do have time for now, and we wouldn't uh, rather do anything than this here right now, the great former dog, John Stinchcomb, looking ahead to the Saturday, back from the past weekend, everything else in between. Let's talk to him right now as a part of Dog Nation Daily, presented by Pella Window and Door of Georgia. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. All right, John, it has been on our minds for a while, and it sort of seemed like a sin to look too far ahead, knowing there was business at hand against somebody else. But if it was ever a sin, it's not a sin anymore because it is the present tense conversation. It is Georgia, Tennessee on Saturday. I am prone to hyperbole, but hyperbole, I can... Whether I'm prone to it or not, it's not always an easy word to say. I am prone to hyperbole, 
But in this case, I don't think I'm wrong. I think it's the biggest game in Sanford Stadium history. Do you think Georgia's ready for it? Absolutely. I'd much rather. I think Georgia is built for big games, and uh, I'm excited because what a great opportunity. You're talking about the top three team coming to town, and I feel like we've got the, the better roster. That's not always the case um, when you head into these big opportunities, but when you look at this Georgia team, the way they're built, the way they played, the development over the season, and how they match up against Tennessee, it's going to be a good game that I feel confident Georgia can uh, end up on top. I, you got to like the way, as a football fan, the way Tennessee has run their offense, and, and they certainly are a threat. But um, this Georgia team, the way they're built and, the, and, and what they continue to do, um, it's an impressive show that they put on, and I'm excited about you know, the biggest game in Sanford Stadium history. That's that's an impressive comment, and uh, I, I think it's got a lot of validity when you make it. You and I are close to the same age. You're a little bit younger than I am, but we're close to the same age. So I think we had kind of some of the same experiences growing up. This is what I was thinking about today. Do you remember when you were a kid and maybe you were playing – you know, like a video game, Sega Genesis or something like that. And if the game wasn't going well, you had that temptation to want to reach down there and push the reset button and just sort of start <laughs> fresh. That if you got off to a bad start or let's say you're playing in season mode or something like that, you didn't like the way it was going, boom, you could press that reset button and start all over again. I was thinking about that as it relates to Georgia football here, you know, this weekend that, you know, Georgia's had some injuries. This is not a perfect team. There have been some blemishes that kind of popped up here and there. But if I had a chance to go press the reset button right now and maybe start over again and have better circumstances or kind of arrange things more to my liking, I wouldn't do it. John, I'm ready for the fight. I'm ready for the game against Tennessee on Saturday at the strength that Georgia currently is, injuries included. I'm ready for everything that comes after that there as well. I said this before you joined us. I am optimistic yet uncertain. I have no idea how this season ends. It may have heartbreaking disappointment this Saturday. It is a possibility that Georgia could lose. But I'm optimistic that they won't. I believe they probably won't. And I believe that Georgia right now is every bit the national championship contender this year as it was a year ago. Optimistic yet uncertain. And there's no way I'd push that reset button right now. I'm ready for the fight that's on its way. What a great analogy because I think we can all relate to it where things aren't going well. And I certainly would not hit reset. This has been – a, a learning experience and one for a young, relatively young team that is having to find um, replacements for some great players on the fly. As many young players as Georgia counts on, specifically on that defensive side of the ball, uh, it, it, if nothing else, inexperienced guys. And the way that they've had to learn um, in-game, real-time, I think it's exactly where you'd want to be as a program. You can't have nothing but success and feel like you're prepared for big game moments like what they'll face against Tennessee and beyond. I mean, Georgia is always preparing for those big marquee matchups where you're not always a, a far superior team and it's going to be a, a knockdown, drag out matchup. And uh, I think Tennessee's offense is certainly one that you better be prepared for because it's, it's one of the best in the nation. Now you look at the overall program and, and you kind of recognize that it's been accelerated with Hypel and uh, his ability to get them up to speed and, and be nationally relevant. 
probably on a, on a shorter timeline than most people expected. But for Georgia, this season has been one um, of, of growth, all while for most of the games being pretty dominant. There's been quarters where you know there's been drop-off. I think you look at the third quarter against Florida and you say, man, that's not national championship-level football. But uh, there were also times where you think this team looks every bit the part of uh, defending national champion and number one team in the country. So there isn't a roster I would trade right now, and I think Georgia is very much poised to make the run that they'll need to over the next four weeks and beyond. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. And the other thing I said, and I want your opinion on this too, is that at one point in time, anytime somebody kind of new emerges, you sort of expect it to kind of be eventually proven as a fraud. I'm not telling you that Tennessee's going to go win the national championship or anything like that, but they have earned a level of respect for me that they didn't have before. I don't mind telling you, when Josh Heupel was hired by Tennessee, I thought it was a bad hire. I mean, I think it's just a verifiable fact, objective truth. Heupel was not that great a coach at UCF, and he wasn't recruiting very well. They were winning fewer games than Scott Frost had won prior to that. And when Danny White got hired as Tennessee athletic director, and when he hired Heupel as his coach, it almost came across to me as, well, this is the only coach he has a cell phone number for, and so therefore he's just bringing him <laughs> from Orlando up to Knoxville. They were way better last year than I thought they would be, and then they have been greatly improved this year over there where they were a year ago. Got blown out by Alabama last year. They won the game this year. Uh, 45-42 or something like that with Kentucky last year. It was like 44-6 on Saturday, whatever the score was. It was around you know, you know, 40-something you know, point blowout you know, right there around that. It's pretty obvious they've taken a pretty big step forward. This is a, this is a good team. This is a, a contending team. And you know, as a Georgia partisan who desperately wants to win this game on Saturday, I don't think I can pin my hopes on uh, Tennessee just comes in here and wilts under the pressure, falls flat, proven as a fraud. Uh, I, I don't think you can pin your hopes on that because I think they've played too well this season to assume that's going to happen. I think this is a game that Georgia has to win. I don't think you can expect Tennessee to just give it to you. No, and I think they have players that really execute well in the system. It's it's fairly unique. You know, they're calling it the, the veer and shoot, if you will, <laughs> just with the wide receivers is spread out as far as they are offensively, and it creates space between – you know, some of your secondary players, whether they have to define themselves as playing the pass or playing the run, and it isolates guys. So uh, with that understood, when you have players like Hooker and Hyatt that uh, have the playmaking ability in that upper end, um, it, it really poses challenges to defense. And, and I think what Tennessee has been able to do offensively has given a lot of teams some pause of going, uh, why is this different and why are they able to find the success that they have? And it's execution and, and new wrinkles of the game. I think that's kind of what makes it fun is uh, the game is constantly evolving and you're, you're seeing different challenges week in and week out. And Tennessee is, is the hot hand right now. And uh, even against an Alabama team that, you know, comes into every matchup with confidence, um, they had to be shaken a little bit by the when you look and Tennessee ends the game with over fifty points. So obviously they can excel against uh, you know your higher end, more prepared, more established teams, and will not come into Athens shaken in their boots. With that said, I'm so grateful that we're playing in Sanford Stadium yep. and not Neyland. That's a big difference, and 
uh, I hope it's reflected in how the game plays out. I think that's exactly right. Um, it's really weird to be the day after a Florida game, and for someone like me who's kind of made my entire career around being a Gator hater, that we've talked so little about the game. So let's change that at least a little bit right now. What did you think of Georgia's win against Florida on Saturday? I loved it. First off, the the rushing attack, which we've been guilty of this, B.A., of, of saying, you know, it's just not as strong. I thought every back at some point or another really showed – uh, something special, and and I think that's a, a compliment to the entire offensive unit, offensive line included. Where, you know, you're saying they're not there yet, but we saw flashes against Florida where they were punishing. And you know, what what brought Florida back in the game? You know, obviously those turnovers don't help you, and, and the big play, 78, 73, whatever it was, yard touchdown where uh, veteran safety has bad eyes. Um, those kind of things can give you pause. But that overall performance, I think once again it shows the elite level of tight end play that we have, um, both in the run game and in the pass game. Brock Bowers is special, and, and so is Darnell Washington. There's not a better duo. I don't care who they are out there um, in college football right now in a position group. So really strong performance from, from a couple individuals, and uh, it's it's good to see – the playmaking ability um, in, a, in a balanced attack from Georgia. And anytime you're punishing Florida and over three touchdown win, that's a good Saturday to be a dog. Totally agree with that. I think that it's important to understand the history of all of this and beating Florida that badly and continuing a, a run of dominance, that which really excluding the pandemic year of 2020 has been you know, quite impressive. I think it's important to appreciate the context of this. But beyond that, you're touching on what I believe is probably the most important point here is that on Saturday, Georgia, I think once again, showed what the recipe is for the kind of big games it's going to play coming up. You know, the biggest win that Georgia has thus far is the Oregon win. I believe that's probably, from a resume standpoint, the best win that anybody has thus far this season, given the team that you played and the the the, the level at which you kind of blew them out. That's the most important win and most impressive win for anybody thus far in college football here this season. And yet, ultimately, that's not a very good blueprint for winning a national championship. That was a, a day in which Georgia threw the ball all over the yard but didn't run it very much. And yet on Saturday, some throwing coupled with a lot of running, scoring 42 points that way. John, to me, that's the real 42. That's the 42 that can travel for you. The 49 against Oregon, I'm not quite so sure how frequently Georgia's going to replicate that amount of success. But the way in which Georgia got to the 42 on Saturday, that's the kind of thing I think you can pretty much expect to see from Georgia um, uh, every other game this season. At least you have the potential of that. So to kind of sum all this up, it's fewer points than they scored against Oregon. But to me, it's a better overall offensive performance because it's the likes of which that you can take with you wherever you go from here. Do you agree with that? Well, Bo Nix was not impressed week one. I think that <laughs> based on his statements this week. <laughs> oh, you just think, man, what, what happened? What he must have gotten hit really hard during that game. There's parts where he forgot it. But, yes, I agree. I think that's the, the true identity of Georgia is that balanced attack where, at times, they were just imposing their will against Florida. Man, that just sounds good coming out uh, uh, from anybody. But um, that, that balanced attack where Georgia is able to run the ball and affect a, a defense to where they're changing their schemes and all of a sudden those play-action passes – where you have that uh, 
two tight end personnel on the field, inline tight ends that they're still able to create space, and you can hit either one of those donkeys, whether it's Bowers or Washington, in tight coverage. Um, I think that's the Georgia team that can can play in those big games. I don't think Georgia has ever been situated or, or positioned to where they're playing uh, Pacific Northwest football, where it's shotgun and throw the ball around. I, I love the variety. I think that the game plan heading into Florida and uh, with the various formations and, and the ability to spread the ball around different personnel groupings, that's what we've come to expect when Georgia's at its best. And uh, whether it's the, the quick wide receiver game where there's holes underneath or um, the, the play action passes where you've created spaces against some of the zone defense that Florida was deploying, that all is, is uh, highlighted and there's more space created when you're able to run the ball the way Georgia did. And I think when Georgia's run first but still presents that balanced attack, that's when we're at our best, and, and Florida's a great example of it. Yeah, let me try to sum this up maybe even more succinctly, and certainly more succinct than I did earlier in the show today. I don't want Saturday to be a gunslinger showdown between Stetson, Bennett, and Hendon Hunker. I don't want that game. But I will take Georgia offense versus Tennessee defense, and I'll take Tennessee offense versus Georgia defense. You make this game about the units, offense versus defense, I think Georgia fares pretty well in a game like that. The stats actually hold up pretty good. You make this a a showdown between individual quarterbacks, and that's not going to go quite so well for Georgia, that it's really about the balance offensively and the complementary way in which the offense and the defense serve each other. That's the recipe for Georgia. The people that want to make this, you know, mano a mano, Hooker versus Bennett, you know, that's not what Georgia wants to do on Saturday. And the more the game becomes about that, I think the less likely Georgia is to win, frankly. Yeah, I, I don't see it playing out that way. First off, I expect more from our defense than uh, what we've seen from uh, other groups that have, that have played against the Tennessee Vols. I would be very disappointed to see 52 points be on the scoreboard next to the visitor's name uh, at the end of Saturday's matchup. And a lot of that has to do with whether or not the, the offense puts our defense in bad spots. Now, if we you know, give up some, some dumb turnovers like we've seen at times Georgia yeah. having a propensity to do third quarter not excluded against Florida, but certainly uh, the Missouri game in, in Kent State where you're going, man, we just put our defense um, in, in some pretty bad spots. If, if we're able to minimize that, I don't see our defense allowing – uh, Tennessee to run up and down the field on them. Now, is, is Tennessee going to be able to score points? Yes, absolutely. There, it is a it is a high level, high performing um, unit, and and Georgia understands that. And I don't think you should expect a you know a ten point, fourteen point game from Tennessee. They're going to be able to score, but I don't think it's going to be the Red River shootout where you know we're we're trying to throw the ball fifty times in the game and, and Tennessee as well. I think Georgia's at its best, like what she, they showed this past Saturday against Florida, balanced attack, able to start with the run, but create uh, plays in the aerial attack. And um, it's a, it's you know, complimentary football at its finest. And that's the recipe that Georgia has leaned on in those big time situations when they found success in the past. And I expect nothing different on Saturday. 
So to completely change the subject here for a moment, uh, John, you're sort of a lifelong UGA guy. You're part of the athletic board now. You are deeply entrenched in the program. How much does Vince Dooley mean to you? The legacy, the life, the the track record for success, the accessibility, a guy that I think was always so kind to certainly me and anybody else had the chance to interact with him. What were your experiences with Coach Dooley, and, and, and how do you think about him now uh, after the announcement of his passing going back to Friday? Well, he's always been the gold standard of what a damn good dog means mm-hmm. and, and what it represents for the university. And uh, being now that I'm old, I, I've had experience with Dooley, uh, Coach Dooley, as a, as a high school recruit. Uh, when I played at Georgia yeah. as an alumni and, and coming back for the past couple of decades, and he has always, always, always represented the university with the highest level of class and uh, integrity. And you know, I, it does. It dates back to when I was a teenager and being on campus and, and seeing the revered figure that he is. And the way he's represented the school has never changed. It's never wavered in the fact that he's done it with the highest level of integrity and been the greatest amb- ambassador for our program. So it's a huge loss for us. I think we're uh, more than anything. We should just be grateful for the years that he has uh, represented the University of Georgia um, at at the, the highest level, and what a great excuse me figure um, that we've been blessed and fortunate to have as our own for as long as we did. Boy, I think that's in- incredibly well said. On a happier note, am I correct about this? The 2002 SEC champion is going to be honored on Saturday. Is that right? <laughs> Yeah, I love how it timed up, but we'll, we'll be out there. We uh, we were on a text thread already, and um, it's going to be an exciting Saturday and, and grateful to be a part of it even a little bit. I, I think you know this. I've told you this before, but you know that team is one of my favorites of all time. Like That was a time in my life in which I had just kind of gotten out of college, and you know that kind of time when you have – like just enough money to buy the tickets to the games, but like not enough responsibility that you uh, have a whole lot else left to do. Like that was a very happy time in my life when which like Georgia football was about the only thing. You know, like I didn't have kids yet. It was, you know, kind of only just kind of moving into like sort of marriage age and, you know, young enough to have a you know job, have a little bit of money, but not quite, you know, a ton of responsibility. And I used to just go to all those games and had a great time. And, you know, I was in Tuscaloosa that year and, all, you know, all, all the in Auburn, all the great road trips from that season and, you know, following all the way through the SEC championship, the first time that Georgia had ever played in the SEC title, won that division. So the 2002 team is one of the special ones to me to be very, very sure. And obviously hard to believe it's been 20 years uh, since that uh, SEC championship. But what a cool thing to add to this. Uh, on Saturday for what's already going to be an emotional day honoring Coach Dooley, a fun part of the day, seeing you and your 2002 teammates on hand, that's really cool. Well, I'm grateful for it. It was it was a special year for me personally, and I think for the University of Georgia, it kind of indicated a, a turning of the tides, if you will, that's or right. an expectation, a raising of the bar, that there is a new standard from which Georgia football would be played, and to be a part of that was quite an honor, and, and to be recognized um, ever is, is always humbling, but to be able to do it in such a big format and this matchup, uh, it, it's 
certainly a highlight. We're we're pumped and excited. You know, that's bunch great. Of old heads out there. No, that's great. Being able to celebrate this uh, new generation. John, good stuff. Thank you so much for being here today. We'll look forward to seeing you in Athens on Saturday. Of course, your insight into this game uh, very valuable for us there as well. We'll look forward to talking to you then. Looking forward to it, BA. Go dogs. Yes, sir. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. So a couple of things here. Uh, as John said, that that was a level of achievement that Georgia had not had prior to when it occurred in 2002. And I remember the phrase that you heard a lot back then was, and I don't know where it started, but it was just kind of the thing you heard, that Mark Rick blew the lid off the Georgia program. That was kind of what it was sort of believed to be, is that prior to Rick, there had been kind of a lid on the achievement that you could expect as a Georgia fan. And that somehow, some way, back in the 90s, you know, the SEC East was dominated by Tennessee and Florida. And Georgia was kind of third behind all of that. And in years in which Georgia thought it had a chance to kind of join the success the Gators and the Vols had, that boom, you just sort of bumped into a ceiling or you bumped into a lid. And that when Georgia kind of finally broke through, won the division, well, that lid was popped off. And all of a sudden, you started believing more and more was possible. And yeah, Coach Rick kind of fell short of winning a national championship, but I think that was an important precursor to the success that Kirby Smart eventually enjoyed. Everybody knows that when Georgia won the national championship this year, or this past year, I should say, that it you know, kind of did so for the first time in 40 years. But when John and them won the SEC title in 2002, that was the first time they'd won the league in two decades. 20 years it had been then. So the feeling about winning that SEC title was, you know, a similar feeling not the same feeling but a similar feeling to what you went through with georgia winning a national title for the first time in 40 years this this past season that's how significant it was and one of the things that kind of ties into and i'm sure we'll get to this point at some point this week you know i remember the very first time that game day ever came to athens it was in 1998 for the tennessee game that year and they built this incredible like scaffold set uh and like the tate parking lot it was a really really cool sort of edifice that they constructed to to host game day there that day and georgia had just won at lsu the previous saturday and tennessee coming in you know vols are kind of built themselves up we didn't know yet they were going to win the national championship that year but you know tennessee was a very formidable national level program national level opponent and this had the chance of being georgia's big day i always remember that was the first time i ever paid a hundred dollars for a ticket and that just seemed like a to, to a young guy then i was probably what you know I don't know uh whatever I was in 1998 I guess 21 I guess I would have been um as, as a young guy then that just seemed like this incredible exorbitant fee hundred dollars for a ticket but that's how big that game was uh you wanted to you know spend whatever you you know could to get into the stadium there that day and you know the rest Tennessee beat up Georgia pretty good that day that was an example of boom the lid kind of being on the stadium on the program you didn't feel like you could quite get to that Tennessee level and that's why I think there's a level of poignance to what's going to happen on Saturday where all of a sudden we know that anything's possible for Georgia and it's now tables turn Tennessee envious of where Georgia is all the more reason to kind of conjure up all those ghosts of the past to think about the legacy events too to think about everything that has come before us on this game on Saturday as big as it is make it feel that big with the atmosphere and go out and do what all the Georgia teams in the past had dreamed of doing which is building on a national legacy that was started last year I know you will do that by the way we're going to go cruise around the SEC courtesy of Royal Caribbean 
remind you about a couple of things when it comes to our friends at Royal Caribbean. First of all, we got the Dog Nation cruise coming up in April. I'm, I continue to hear from folks. We're excited about that. But we also have a great opportunity to learn more about Icon of the Seas. Now, let me explain how this works. There are sort of um, uh, categories, classes of ships, and you know the sort of the different size of of ships. You kind of you know a few sort of sister ships in that sort of same category, and you know like right now the largest class of ships when it comes to Royal Caribbean, what's called the Oasis class of ships. I was on Harmony of the Seas back last February. That's an Oasis class ship. Looking forward to being on Wonder of the Seas. That's the newest oasis class ship that was just kind of introduced about a year or so ago i'm looking forward to sailing on that a couple of times here coming up over the course of the next 12 months or so well there is about to be a brand new class of ship introduced by royal caribbean it's going to be called the icon class of ships and the very first is the icon of the seas that's the name of the ship and this is like unlike anything the cruise industry's ever had before you talk about setting the standard for what a cruise vacation is supposed to be all about that is exactly what icon of the seas is supposed to be one of the things that royal caribbean's kind of already introduced to the cruise industry are the idea of the neighborhoods on board the cruise ship so you have like an entertainment district you have you know kind of a, like a central park type district where you're like literally like walking through like a garden style central park area well they're going to do that to an even higher level here on icon of the seas for instance you've seen water slides on ships now for a while but in the case of icon of the seas you essentially have a water park on board that's how crazy and unbelievable the entertainment experience is going to be when you're on board uh, icon of the seas i want you to find out more about this our friend jessica slater can help you with that you can give her a call 770-718-9147 770-718-9147 she's a great travel agent royal caribbean knows her well she knows the royal caribbean product and its line of services very well she can tell you all about that and she's also the one helping us book our trip on independence of the seas this april there too and if you want to find out more about that in particular uh, you can check out royaldogs.com. That is royaldogs.com. I talked talk to some folks over the weekend in Jacksonville who are going to be on the Royal Caribbean cruise ship with us, our second-ever cruise with Dog Nation coming up this April. So want you to be a part of that, too. It's going to be an amazing experience, royaldogs.com, for a lot more on that. So we're going to break with sort of typical protocol here. And the music's already ended, so I guess <laughs> at this point in time, we might as well just roll on. But, you know, other stuff around the SEC this weekend – you know, the debacle for uh, Texas A&M, uh, the search for an Auburn athletic director. There is a lot to get into around the league. But for today, I got to push pause on that because we really have just not talked about Georgia, Florida enough. And, y'all, not just because I'm a Gator hater, although I am, and I was thrilled on Saturday to see those lousy, stinking Gators get smacked around and go down to defeat again, you better believe. But even just because, you know, I'm an observer here of Georgia football, I think it's important to kind of stop and pause and say, you know what? That was a good one, a, a, a big one for the dogs on Saturday. Uh, the kind of game in which I, I think you once again kind of saw, I think, the championship medal of UGA, what it's made of. One of the reasons why I told you I'm optimistic about Georgia. Uh, as I told John Stinchcomb a moment ago, if you gave me the choice right now to push the reset button, even with Nolan Smith being injured and Jalen Carter, although he gave you a Lions effort on Saturday, not probably being 100%. Whatever's going on with the Marius Mims. If I could push the reset button right now, I wouldn't. I like this Georgia team. I like what they set up to have the potential of accomplishing before this season is done. I cannot guarantee the, the win against Tennessee. I'm fearful they might lose. But I'm still ready to watch the fight because I think it's going to be a fair fight and a good fight. And I think that Georgia probably will emerge from it. And I think some of what you saw on Saturday is a reason why. Let's go back and hear Kirby Smart, his assessment of 
what happened in the win against Florida, what he liked about it, this Kirby from the cocktail party on Saturday. We lost momentum in the second half. We faced resiliency, stared it in the eye, and we didn't blink. And I'm really proud of our players. You know, there's a time there where we lost momentum, and um, that's happened to us more this year uh, than it did last year. And we bounced back. So I was really proud of the players. I got extra sarcastic and snarky uh, on DogNation.com yesterday. I always post our post-game show as a, as a regular like post so people can go click into it and watch it. And I sort of started my post by saying, uh, Georgia built a 25-point lead at the half. And as some would tell the tale, Florida courageously fought back to only lose by 22 points. And in one respect, I think it's kind of funny that people make a big deal about the fact that Florida briefly showed some signs of life and briefly showed – an indication they might try to come back in this game and make it a little closer but as Kirby Smart said it did create sort of an adverse moment for UGA there were three turnovers and there was that kind of gasp moment when you realize oh my gosh Florida has pretty quickly here just made this game a little bit closer but as Kirby said there was a huge response after all of that I thought that Georgia had a great moment marching back down the field for a touchdown after Florida started trying to inch its way back into this game in the third quarter and Kirby's level of praise for that performance even took another step forward after that. This is Kirby on how Georgia responded after Florida started coming back in the third quarter. Yeah, that was probably the drive of the year so far, right? I mean, they, they answered the, the bell because it's 28-20, and, you know, we've lost momentum. We've had, I guess, three kickoff returns, it felt like, in a row. We weren't getting field position, and uh, Kenny had had the fumble. And, you know, I thought, I thought Kenny McIntosh showed a little something tonight now. When he when he came out after that fumble, and he, he had that – eye of the tiger look and he wanted the ball and uh and he was running the ball hard and physical and getting yards after contact and it's a lot of credit to the offensive line but that's a lot of credit to kenny as well and- i love that from kirby first of all i love the fact that he says i thought that was the drive of the year so far don't you like that foreshadowing because we do believe the chance exists there are even more significant better touchdown drives still yet to come hopefully some of those come saturday against the vols but it was the kind of thing that Georgia showed you. Hey, you know, we're kind of scuffling here for a moment. Florida's trying to show some signs of life here. Turnovers have helped them the same way turnovers uh, have helped previous Georgia opponents here this season. We haven't seen, you know, Georgia go back 21. Uh, they didn't play a ton of close games. But some of these games this year have been closer for longer periods than we're used to seeing at least this version of Georgia play. And yet on Saturday when it seemed like that was happening, boom, Georgia marches back down the field and gets the touchdown. And Kenny McIntosh in particular is worth pulling out here. And listen, Dejon Edwards was amazing as well with the running game, but McIntosh had the fumble. And that was one of those things where I think, I mean, listen, in the press box, you're not allowed to cheer or anything like that, but I probably openly gasped when the ball came loose from Kenny because that's a running back I want to rely on, I want to lean on. And he fumbled. And that kind of jars you there for a moment. What did Kenny do after that? My gosh, it was like 10-yard run, 15-yard run, like just churning those big yards for Georgia in the immediate after effect uh, of, of that turnover. And as we've said now a couple of times in the show, this is what Georgia football is supposed to be. It's some through the air, it's a lot on the ground, and it's about 42 points per game. Like That's the recipe for Georgia. That is the way in which you beat a Tennessee or you beat an Alabama or you beat an Ohio State or you beat a whoever they throw at you that is the way you get it done it's it's that it's that ability to kind of swing punches with both hands with the running game and the passing game you got to be able to do both and I do think the the blueprint put on display in Florida even though it had a couple of turnovers evolved with it is a little bit more of a movable feast than the 
you know, air attack that beat up on Oregon. Some of that was probably opponent dependent. And yet on Saturday, what Georgia kind of put on display is the kind of thing it can do against everybody and should do against everybody. Get Brock Bowers involved, get the running game involved, and win the game by 22 points. And if you do that however many more times, we'll be uh, having another parade here coming up in the middle part of January, and we really will have go for two in 22 etched in our brains forever there at that point. I think the smart saying – a lot of good things about that, and I wanted to take some time to sort of mention that. I also want to get to the life and legacy of the legendary coach and athletic director, Vince Dooley. We'll do that here coming up in just a moment. Before that, though, let's also give a shout-out to our friends at the UJ Alumni Association. I know that those folks involved with the UJ Alumni Association take time to mourn with us the same way we all do uh, at the passing of Coach Dooley. If anybody understands what he's meant to this, uh, this, this football program, this university in particular, his donations to the ath- academic side, so important there as well. It's UGA grads stretched all across our uh, globe. And, of course, as you move towards this sort of late portion of the season, big game on Saturday, there are a lot of UGA grads that are living all over the world that wish they could be there. Well, if you can't be there in person, you can stay connected to your university and the, the program that you love with the UGA Alumni Association. they got a lot of great ways for you to do that. And the website that you can kind of connect with that allows that to happen is alumni.uga.edu. That's alumni.uga.edu. You can make the most of game day. You can find game-watching parties, places where you can kind of call the dogs, wherever you might be. It, it's amazing. I talked to a Georgia fan on Saturday who had just kind of moved back to America after having lived in for a good while in Australia. It, it, you're always just kind of amazed that Dog Nation really does just stretch you know, kind of far and wide, and the UGA Alumni Association helps everyone stay connected wherever you might be. That's alumni.uga.edu. Now, this website also has some great content there for you there as well. I'm talking about some exclusive video content that is sort of specially produced for the UJ uh, um, Alumni Association, digital downloads there as well, and a chance to kind of get some cool Georgia swag there also. So the website to go to alumni.uga.edu. You can find out more about that, alumni.uga.edu for a lot more there. All right, so let's do this. I love that Kirby on Saturday also had a lot to say about Coach Dooley. I wish I could play it all for you. We just simply don't have time. But I thought to begin with in his press conference, and you can tell, you know, how how much this meant to him because it was like basically the first thing he said, you know, coming right out there um, about about what Coach Dooley meant. He was kind of funny about it, but it was also one of those things where you just know how heavy his heart is in as it relates to all this good stuff from coach smart speaking about coach Dooley on saturday great way to help remember the life the legacy of a true legend in vince Dooley. this is kirby from saturday you know to the Dooleys back home in athens i know they're together um meant a lot uh for us to win that game for them and um you know all that vince has meant to our university and such an ambassador of our program and really all of college football so uh, I know if he was looking down on that one, he would have enjoyed the first half. I don't know that he would have enjoyed the second one, but uh, he and Irk probably had a laugh uh, together about it. And um, he's meant so much to us. And just in honor of him and, and their family, uh, it was special. I just love that. And this is another one of those things where when you got a Georgia guy as the Georgia coach, that you speak from personal experience on that. I know that Coach Dooley has been impactful on the life of uh, Coach Martin. You saw that great embrace they shared after the national championship last season. And I guess I've been thinking a lot about that since Friday, and we've kind of all kind of you know, learned to process this news, had time to process this news. I am so thankful for a couple of things. As I said, 
thankful that um, that moment did take place in January in Indianapolis. I mean, how 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 amazing does that scene seem now in retrospect? But here's the other thing I'm thankful for there as well. You know, so many times like legends don't get their moment while they're living and we don't stop to sort of tell someone while they're alive how much they've meant to us, whether it be the legends in our own lives, like our dads or grandfathers, people like that, or, um, you know, the legends of a program like the, like, like Georgia football. But a couple of years ago, far too late, I would say, but not too late, uh, Georgia did that when the field was named in Coach Dooley's honor. And I remember I tweeted this a couple of weeks ago when Coach Dooley first went in the hospital when he was battling COVID there for a moment about how thankful I was to be standing on a field named after Coach Dooley. And you can look up there on the uh, you know 50-yard line right there on the stands and see Dooley Field. And that name just looks so good and so prominent, like looking down on that stadium you think about saturday we've challenged fans kirby smartest challenged fans to be loud you know doing so in coach dooley's honor seems incredibly appropriate there but how thankful are you if you love georgia football that coach dooley got to see that name go on that field while he was alive he got to be he got to experience it. he got to be a part of that he got to hear firsthand how much he meant to so many of us like when i was a kid he was the coach of the georgia team that makes him an unbelievable figure in my life because uh that was what georgia football was to me when i fell in love with georgia football and so many people have their own story a uh, very much the same way and i am just so so glad that he was alive and able to take part in that ceremony a couple of years ago. In fact, I want to give you just a brief clip here. This is Coach Dooley after the field naming ceremony took place, talking about what that meant to him. And listen, he was self-deprecating about this and was ready to kind of move on and talk about something different, but he was good enough to take time to reflect and talk about what all of that meant. This is from a couple of years ago when the ceremony to name the field had taken place. This is really, really good, Coach Dooley from back then. It's a very moving experience and moving day, and I uh, thank that uh, thankful for all of the people uh, that um, was a part of making it happen, and all the people that share in this, which is the greatest thrill of all: the players, family, cheerleaders, band, the uh, managers, the trainers. Some very special people of the of the bulldog nation it was a special day for the bulldog nation and when you think about the top of that bulldog nation the guy that is so much responsible for so much of our happiest memories and the success that georgia continues to enjoy right now there is no doubt that coach dooley is a huge part of that 90 years very well lived very full life and his legacy will be celebrated for a long time to come indeed and there is no easy way to transition out of that into our normal conversation but i do want to just give a quick shout out before we get ready to say goodbye our friends at pasquale's pizza have had uh, a great thing going on the last couple of weeks we've been having a good time with that amarius mims is of course a big part of this too he's kind of teamed up with uh, pasquale's pizza for an incredible game day celebration of course we uh, hope the best for uh, uh marius who had to leave saturday's game with injury but i know he loves pasquale's pizza and because marius mims likes it i wanted to try it myself and so last week i came i came home from work and told the kids hey guess what we're getting some pasquale's pizza and they were thrilled we got the pizza i got the all meats pizza my kids like the cheese we got them some cheese pizza there too uh but got like these uh the meatball poppers things where it's like meatball with kind of like a, almost like a breadstick wrapped around it such a good appetizer great wings my wife got a salad 
just uh, incredible, incredible uh, uh, food from our friends at Pasquale's Pizza. And it's a great way to flavor up your game day experience. Marius Mims is encouraging you to do this. And so we want to encourage you to do that there as well. In fact, if you're watching a video, you see a QR code that you can click into. And when you use the promo code GAMEDAY20, you're going to save 20% off your order. You can also do this uh, via DoorDash. You can do this um, uh, at the website, which is Pasquale'sPizza.com. Uh, that's with two L's, Pasquale'sPizza.com. Uh, by the way, I call them meatball poppers earlier. They're meatball dunkers. That's what they're called. They're meatball dunkers. But they, whatever you call them, they're delicious. I, I, I enjoyed them I'm so, so good the other day. So Pasquale'sPizza.com has got a great uh, game day offer for you. You're getting ready to get fired up for dogs uh, coming up on Saturday against the Vols, whatever else. Uh, take advantage of the game day 20 code to save 20% off your order on whatever it is you choose to get from our friends at Pasquale's Pizza. So you can go to Pasquale'sPizza.com for that. You can do this via DoorDash. You can use the QR code that's on the screen here right now and flavor up your game day, whichever day game day happens to be for you with our friends there. Marius Mims recommends this. We think it's delicious and you can enjoy it yourself. So check out more at Pasquale'sPizza.com. Use the promo code GAMEDAY20 for 20% off savings. So uh, some golden shoes to give out here today and let's uh, get into that here quickly. Georgia fans celebrating Another beatdown of those lousy, stinking Gators. And you love to see it. You love to see it. How about this from my buddy Mike the Mad Dog? He says those lousy, stinking Gators took another L at the cocktail party. And then he uh, shows a prominent Florida Gator player here. You may know who that is with the number one replaced with the letter L. I think that's appropriate. Mad Dog, golden shoe for you. Congratulations on that. It's fun to see. Uh, Brian Garrett also checks in to say, friends don't let friends wear orange. Just say no. That's very appropriate there, too, because you beat up on the one group of orange bad guys this past Saturday with Tennessee still to come. Feels like a good time to be stomping out some orange. I think we have one more to show there as well. Uh, Derek Green says, when you're the hunters, not the hunted. You see Todd Monk and Kirby Smart bagging some gators. You love to see that, Derek. That's really good stuff there as well. Those are our golden shoes. And our Gator Hater Countdown dogs back in Jacksonville. 300. 62 days from right now it starts all over again florida's got another year to rest up but coming up a year from now they're going to get beat up once again gator hitter countdown we'll see tomorrow on dog nation daily presented by pella window and door of georgia and on the podcast time now for the rs andrews podcast cool down normally we take your comments here today i want to just reference a couple of pieces of news that broke just as our Recording was ending today. Uh, Zach Abelverde, um, Florida reporter who works for the Gainesville Sun, is reporting that Brenton Cox has been dismissed from the uh, Gator program. As of the time I'm recording this, we don't know everything that's going into why this is happening. I mean, it's relatively easy to speculate, I guess, but we don't know officially why this is happening. But obviously, you know, Brenton's been kind of a focal point for Georgia fans for quite some time. A lot of Florida fans really celebrated when uh, when Brenton made the decision to leave Georgia, go to Florida. <laughs> it's funny. They were celebrating Mullen for getting Brenton, celebrating Brenton for landing on the Florida roster. A lot of those opinions have not aged particularly well. I mean, I'm not going to jump up and down about this. I kind of referenced uh, Cox in a tweet the other day, but, you know, it's like I'm, I'm not going to pick on the players here too much, even even Brenton in this case. But clearly this is a not a glorious chapter in Florida football history, nor – 
uh, has Cox made uh, much of himself since leaving UGA, and you can't help but acknowledge that. So fresh off a big win for Georgia against Florida, one of the former dogs on the Florida roster who uh, made a big show of, uh, of making a move from UGA. Boy, he just never did much of anything in a Gator uniform, and honesty compels you to admit that. And Now apparently that career is now done. Uh, not good news for Georgia, as you might have expected to hear on the injury front as it relates to Nolan Smith. Uh, the Kirby Smart press conference uh, getting going here just a few minutes ago as I'm speaking to you here right now. And what Kirby's reporting as it relates to Nolan Smith, and this is not really a surprise, just based on kind of your eye test on Saturday. Kirby saying in that press conference, you can read more about this from Connor Riley at DogNation.com, that it does not look good for his availability this week. It's a pec injury, meaning like a, like a chest injury, pectoral it's Kirby says he's probably doubtful for this week. So, um, you know, that's 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 not good news. That's not good news there on that, but also, you know, maybe not unexpected necessarily. Of course, you did get some positive on Saturday with Jalen Carter, who I did not expect to play on Saturday, even after it was reported that he would travel with the team. I still didn't think he'd play, and he did play, and actually, by all accounts, seemed to play really well. So, you know, uh, the injury news, kind of a mixture of some good and bad, but clearly Nolan Smith's a key figure. Georgia apparently will not have him on Saturday and wanted to make you aware of that. So um, there you go. That's our R.S. Andrews podcast cool down today. Of course, you can find R.S. Andrews online, rsandrews.com for your air conditioning, heating, plumbing, and um, electric needs. They will show up on time, do the work that's promised, the price is promised. You can trust them on that. And as we move towards winter, which will be here before you know it, go ahead and get that heating system tuned back up to factory fresh specs. Really, the heat's been on in our house at night here for a while. My family gets pretty cold at night, so they've been enjoying that. And if yours is not uh, enjoying the uh, toasty, warm heat on the inside the way that they want to, well, R.S. Andrews can help fix that for you, and it'll only cost you $99. So check them out online at rsandrews.com. We'll see you tomorrow here as well. For Dog Nation Daily, presented by Pella Window in Door of Georgia, we'll look forward to talking to you then.